Good morning, everyone. I'm Pam Myers with Pam Myers Social Media. I'm Erica Yocum, Virtual Personal Assistant. Yes, and uh, we are here with 3Q, New Mexico's premier business podcast. And our guest this week is Dennis uh, with the Chaco Trade Center. The Chaco Trade Center is located in Cuba, New Mexico. Um, and I want to say out of 150, I had to Google this, 150,000 convenience stores in the U.S., there's not that many of them that have a website and do all of the things that Chaco Trade Center offers. They have um, a food store with um, all kinds of fresh produce, uh, wood pellets, a fuel station. You can get your propane tank filled. There's a laundromat private mailboxes, an ATM, and an air machine for your, I'm assuming for your tires. <laughs> so Dennis, welcome. Uh, we're so delighted to have you here this morning. Thank you. Uh, I'm assuming with all of that, that you're out in the boonies and that's why you, it's, you, you have this all in one kind of shop, which is awesome. I love those kind of places, by the way. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, the address is actually a little misleading. We're 45 miles west of Cuba. Okay. So, uh, by when we say we're in the boonies, it it often feels like we are the most remote convenience store, grocery store in New Mexico. And I don't know if that's true because there's some places in the southern part of the state that are very remote. But um, we're we're out there. <laughs> yeah. And you're serving a. a I mean. How big a population is out there? This is, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not even a city girl. I'm not even like in the city. I'm out in Los Lunas, which is still kind of rural. But I realized that there are places in New Mexico that are rural, the capital <laughs> are. Well, so, <laughs> in a, I consider our trade area to be about a 40 mile radius from our store. And in that oh. radius, there's about 2,500 people. Mm. And it's not 40 miles of paved straight roads. It's 40 miles of dirt roads that kind of intersect. And it's, it's amazing. I myself have been lost driving around my own trade area. Thanks <laughs> to Google. Google will lead you astray sometimes, you know. And well, Apple Maps are probably even worse. I've had yeah. Apple Maps take me on a merry, merry-go-round. Well, that, that sounds fun. Uh, yeah. And our primary customers are, are Navajo Indians. We um, We're not on the Navajo reservation specifically, we're in the checkerboard area, mm -hmm. which is hopscotch, you know, it's some private, some state, some federal, some, I don't know, the, the land statuses are amazing. I think there's something like 13 different land statuses in New Mexico. And in our area, there's probably all of them. So, uh, okay, I'm, today, today I learned there are things called land statuses. Why do we even know what that means? And that's probably, it's not as big a deal as it sounds. So like if you're, you know, like if you're in your home, you own your home, you have mortgage or whatever, you're, you're on what's considered like fee, simple, private property okay. and, and you have a deed to it. Well, if you're, uh, if you're on a, say you're on the Navajo Nation, you're on the reservation, you're not on fee, simple land, you're on federal, federally managed trust land that has been separated from state jurisdictions and you cannot get a deed to that kind of property. And then there are state leases 
where the state owns chunks of property and you also can't get a deed to that. But those are actually still sort of like fee simple land because the state plays by its own rules. And so what we run into in our area is with all these different jurisdictions and different statuses, going 100 feet one direction or another, you can literally cross a border and be under a totally different set of rules. Um, we're, we talked a little bit about the geography a second ago, and uh, it's funny. We have a Cuba, New Mexico address, and Cuba is in Sandoval County. The store is actually located in McKinley County. <laughs> And the highway changes numbers. So I was, it was kind of funny. Our address comes out of the McKinley County side, but a store further west of us, closer, or not a store, a school, further west of us, closer to McKinley County, has a Sandoval County address. Oh, wow. So it is, it's really bizarre sometimes. And, and, uh, it, it leaves a lot of things up in the air that uh, our customers really struggle with basic things like getting packages delivered, for instance. When we got the mailboxes put in uh, for decades, I don't know if you, you're probably not familiar with this, for decades, centuries possibly even, uh, the local trading post around the Navajo Nation for sure was where people got their mail. And and that was just it. You just Everyone would come to the store to get their packages or mail, but it was very rarely packages. It was almost always letters. And the goal for us, uh, those were installed about 10 years ago. The goal for us was to get traffic. That's a thing, right? We want people coming in the store. And then uh, to be able to provide that service where somebody who lives up a dirt road and doesn't have electricity or water or you know, possibly lives in like a converted chicken coop, uh, that person could have reliable, safe mail delivery for medicines or appointment confirmation, stuff like that. And uh, we realized fairly quickly that receiving packages was going to be part of that. And, uh, and now, not the majority, but the majority of our time is spent managing packages for people. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Amazon and eBay and Timu and I can't even list them all anymore. Uh, all these all these services really know their way to our store. So wow. And that wow. was so in your current form, um, how long have you been there? Because the trade center's been there, like you said, for a long time. But how long have you been serving the area? It's uh Gosh, we're actually going on 11 years now. Um, the but that comes with an asterisk, of course. My family entered this area about 25 years ago. Oh, wow! And uh, this is what I grew up doing. My, my folks uh, had lived across the Navajo reservation my entire life, just about. And this store became uh, well, a store in the community became available, and uh, uh we. We got that up and running and, and then life happens a lot. A lot has happened in those 25 years, but 11 years ago, we took the building we're in currently that uh, had at the time only had a laundromat in it. And um, we kind of just bootstrapped in a convenience store and, 
and it's tiny. Like we we talk about using space utilization. We have a about a three thousand square foot building. We have a one thousand square foot sales floor. Wow. And, and if you you think, oh, a thousand square feet, that's great. Well, yeah, but other stores with a thousand square feet don't sell fifty pound bags of dog food, or bags of lettuce or 20 pound bags of flour you can't walk into a speedway and build a meal and feed your family but you can do that in our store and we have a lot of people who do on a regular basis it's kind of cool it's a it's kind of a humbling uh responsibility when when we see these folks come in that genuinely count on us for services right Uh, and, and i love i love our customers i love them all so well, so speaking of customers, I, of course, I went looking for your website and it's this big, long taco-trade-center.business.site. And I want to make sure that's the right place to send folks. Is that, that where, is. Okay, so I'm putting it up here. It's a big, long name. But if you if if you Google Chaco Trade Center, you're the only ones who come up. So that's awesome. You've got like the, the corner on. <laughs> yeah, with <Yeah>, great <laughs> reviews. <laughs> Dennis, what, what's your biggest challenge for your business? Yeah. yeah. Well, the geography. Uh, the location <laughs> is, is the biggest challenge. What makes it work is also what makes it difficult. And, and right. uh, uh, there's something special about the area we're in. The town is called Pueblo Pintado. Uh, mm-hmm. Pueblo Pintado is Spanish for painted house or painted town, Pueblo, right? And uh, there's an old Chaco ruin that is called the Pueblo Pintado Ruin. But um, the uh, something special about Pueblo Pintado, things do not work the way they work everywhere else in the world. It's amazing. And, and it's just, you get used to it. You get used to things not happening the way they're supposed to. But we're two hours away from Albuquerque. That's where all my supply houses are. That's where tools and material and food suppliers and like all the things that we need uh, my uh, refrigeration mechanic is sorry. My refrigeration <laughs> mechanic is uh, two hours away too. Like all these, all these elements that wouldn't be a big deal to an operator in Bernalillo County, for instance, right. uh, are are crisis level to us. So that's that's the challenge that we face on a daily basis. Yeah, I would think it requires a lot of planning. If I was better organized, I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, life always, it's always, yeah, what, what's the, you know, yeah, whatever. But li- yeah, life is like that. You're like, you could have the best laid plans and then, oh, great, the truck won't start or something like that. Yeah, I, yeah, that's how life works. But I, yeah, that's amazing though. So do you, do you follow, do, do people come into you and go, hey, it'd be great if instead of this kind of dog food, you would have that kind of dog food. I mean, do you, cause it's 2,500 folk, maybe you can be more responsive to that kind of stuff. Or do you, how do you know what to keep in your store? I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, we try, we try to respond to special requests. Um, we do, but then I have to be realistic about it too. Cause again, a thousand square feet, right. <laughs> that's right. like a garage. So right. And inside that, we have a check stand and freezers and, you know, like there's there's a lot of space taken up still. So um, like the other day, someone called me and said, do you have cocktail sauce? 
And that's not the first time I've been asked for that, but I don't even entertain it. I don't have the, I don't have the room on a shelf to mm-hmm. throw something up that would be maybe one sale a quarter. I mean, seriously, you know, like one jar of cocktails costs a quarter. Um, yeah. Uh, but if I have enough people three years to go through one jar of cocktail sauce, so I'm with you there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, from my customer's perspective, they're like, well, it'd be really great if my local store had this thing I need right now that I forgot while I was in Walmart or I was in Target or Smith's or wherever. And uh, that would be awesome. But there's, it'd be unrealistic. Even if I had all the room in the world, I probably wouldn't carry cocktail sauce because that's cold beach, you know? Right. But uh, we do, we try to be responsive to, uh, cultural things as well. And, and we had a funny, had a funny thing that is weird in the grocery business. We sell baking powder, you know, you have like baking powder and, and my customers, when they think baking powder, they think of the brand Clabber Girl. It's a little white can. Yes. Got, right. you know, girl, I, got, I guess, right. right? Probably like 8.1 ounce. It's been the same for a century. It's that's the thing. Couldn't get that stuff to save my life this year. I just absolutely could not get it in. I don't know what's going on, but so I wound up buying Argo baking powder. Argo's a perfectly good brand, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we watched that stuff sit on the shelf for months and months and months. No one would buy it. Wow. It's like the cultural demand follows the historical patterns. People buy what they buy. Right. And when I finally was able to get the right brand back in, uh, I bought two cases knowing that the first one would evaporate before we even got it on the shelf. And it did. Um, wow. it, we, we got it stocked and it disappeared because no one else could get it either. It wasn't just me. So it it's kind of a funny thing. We have to really pay attention to those, mm-hmm. uh, those patterns and trends. And, and then watching young people is weird because, you know, kids are weird in every culture, but um, we have, we have, I literally have people in that will come into my store that don't speak English, don't have utilities running water. I alluded to the converted chicken coop. Mm-hmm. That's a real part of our community. And wow. on the exact same side of the coin, I'll have people come in that are doctors and lawyers and engineers. And and they're working in the area. They live in the area. They, they want to live with their community you know they'll they'll commute to albuquerque or santa fe or wherever and and as we as we try to balance those different groups of people um what i find is that the younger more educated crowd for lack of a better term uh tends to have a much faster turnover on what they're looking for right Uh, people who are tuned in to to trends will be looking for that in our local grocery store. So uh, I really count on our vendors to help me with that. Actually, we've uh, specifically like my Coke vendor. Oh, I love my Coke, my Coke guy. My Coke sales rep is the best. He, because they pay attention to it. They keep up with it. And they'll yeah. and they kind of, he'll give me advice about what's coming in in the drink world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I can take that advice and I can look at my grocery shelves and my wife and I can try to figure out how to use our limited resources to appeal to as many people as possible. So. Yeah. It's like the, the Mexican bottled Coke when we, it, it's back in fashion again. 
And so, oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. Well, right. Well, I mean, when we first rediscovered it locally, you could only get it in like Home Depot of all places. And then we found it at Costco and now like everybody's carrying it and it's, and it's being served in restaurants and people are realizing, Hey, Coca-Cola with sugar is actually really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it's, that's, yeah. that's amazing. I can't even imagine. Well, we've had a funny thing with that specific product. Ironically, uh, out of my thousand square feet, two and a half square feet of floor space is dedicated to this little, this little uh, ice chest type thing. Coke gave me four bottled, mm-hmm product for that product and um and people like it anyway like it would sell no matter what and it's uh, i love that stuff we actually have a good margin on it and it's fun and unique you know and there's all the flavors but in addition to our local customers for the last year we've had a massive construction project around us and it seems like half the day my store is full of mexicans People who are working on these crews come from Mexico and Cuba and Haiti and Jamaica and Russia. And, oh, my gosh. They're from all over the world. And, that's amazing. And that's been a real challenge, too, because uh, you talk about trying to tune into your customers' cultural like trends. I don't know if you can hear the dog. <laughs> that's okay. We both have dogs. So no worries. Yeah. yeah. Holy cow, they're going to break the door. Uh, anyway, so these guys come in, and, and God bless them. They're the best. I love them. They're, they're great customers. They, they're usually just super supportive of anything we try. And uh, keeping that bottled Coke display right there for them has, has I think, made their experience a little better. Right? Nice. Well, it's a touch of home. Yeah, right? It, oh, it, right. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, you know, we try. You you do what you you yeah. just throw something out there, and if it works, you keep doing it. And right. Uh, <laughs> the thing that kills me with those guys is they put mayonnaise on everything. It's kind of weird. We go they put mayonnaise. Yeah, like on the hot dog grill. I would never think of that. I never even tried it. But it really surprised me how much of the different condiment packs we were going through. I expected hot sauce, and you know, like mustard was a hot dog. But no, it's mayonnaise. And wow. it, was, it was a surprise. And, and slowly but surely, we're actually getting our local folks to try it, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I want to go back to talking just to make a point of when you, when you talk about Coke and uh, the brand Coke and the, and the brand uh, Clabber Girl baking powder, that says a lot for brand loyalty, too, which... Is I mean that's how it works, right? People buy brands that they that they know and they're familiar with. Oh yeah. Uh, historically, the, the kind of the rule and the rule for shopping is uh, you tend to buy the household products that your mother bought. Yep. Uh, in my household, it's French's mustard and Vlasic pickles and Sara Lee bread. Awesome. Clausen pickles, baby. Has okay. To be <laughs> okay. But uh, you know, you you just you you just keep yeah. doing what pretty much what your mom did. Or yeah, I suppose there's households that aren't specifically mother-driven, but that's the generic stereotype. Right. And uh, uh and in, in our community, it's very similar. So we've tried, we've tried changing stuff. Um uh, Navajo citizens, Navajo people tend to be lactose intolerant. Oh. It's it's kind of a it's a much higher prevalence 
among it native populations. Yeah. yeah, it really is. And um, so we we messed around with that and I thought, well, let's bring in lactose-free options. Let's try soy milk and almond milk and I don't know, we'll we'll bring in a bunch of stuff. We'll try it. Mm-hmm. I lost a fortune trying to get people to buy silk. <laughs> it wow. was terrible. And and a lot of that stuff is real shelf stable, thankfully. Uh, but I we just couldn't get people to try it. Uh, and uh, we sampled. I, I tried for years. Like we really tried, and just could not gain any traction. There's some patterns that are just too hard to overcome. Wow. But then, ironically, we don't sell a lot of milk either. <laughs> you don't. Wow. No, not so much. We have a really. Uh, we so keep it as just a bare bottom. It's not a profit margin item for us. It, it it's just a it's a gallon of milk. It's I don't know, four bucks or whatever it is. My doctor yeah. just asked me, you know, well, you could always, you know, because I said milk bothers me now as I get older. And she said, well, you could always switch over to, you know, oat milk or almond milk. I said, almond milk tastes like almonds, not like milk. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I am definitely team milk, but I, that's, it's, that's, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around no, no electricity, no utilities kind of thing. Like, that that just like uh, kind of that's wild that there's there's still wild parts of New Mexico and and always my husband and I have these conversations all the time. They go, we're so the cities are so crowded and everything. I'm like, have you been to New Mexico? Because there's like thousands of acres with three people on it. You know, <laughs> we have we have room here, which is awesome. But it does pose. I, in my head, I'm thinking, well, you can't just like have Chewy drop off your dog food, right? Like I'm sure Chewy, Chewy'd be like, yeah, no, not driving two hours outside of Albuquerque and then 40 miles down a dirt road. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, well. It, Amazon's probably not a big, uh, you know, sending trucks out in the middle of nowhere either. So you you really, you do become a, like a lifeline for folks to get stuff. That, that they otherwise can't get. That's wild to me. It's, I mean, literally wild out there. It's interesting. Well, thankfully, I, I will say that in, in just the last 10 years, uh, that that situation with electricity and housing standards has changed dramatically. Really? And, and that's been a real, that's been a real blessing. There's, I don't know anyone in the world that would say, well, that's terrible that those folks have running water. No. And what you get when you have things like, uh, we don't really think of it, but the access to running water means you have access to hygiene. Right. If you don't live in a situation where where you can wash dishes even, or, you know, wash your hands every now and then, take a shower, bathe, wash your own clothes. Uh, if, if you don't have that, we there's a lot of side effects. There's health consequences. There's... Uh, social consequences to that kind of thing, you know, and right. and as people have slowly but surely, it's it's a hard process. The the distances involved. Uh, you talk about running a water line thirty miles, and, and to serve maybe five households. Mm-hmm. Economically, none of this makes sense. Right, and, and I, I don't know, I. I look at it and I'm like, man, I, I live in Rio Rancho. So, you know, I'm willing to pay to have services, but, uh, but people who've never had access to that kind of thing, it, it is, it is just a tremendous blessing. And, and I do, 
support, even though I'm not a big fan of massive government spending projects, I really do support these things that make people's lives more livable. Right. And uh, electricity is ironically one that just doesn't get tracked. It's so hard. I know so many people that don't have electricity. And that has to do with the land statuses again and getting yeah. right into this. You can't run a can't run a power line across land that no one will sign off on right away. So there's there's a lot of challenges there. The solar uh, revolution has made a made a big difference. It's, it's I noticed that on your map that you're you're close to a solar farm. So is does that serve your population? Nope, not at all. <laughs> that's uh, that's the construction project I was telling you about. And actually, that solar farm is replacing one of the old coal plants being shut down in Farmington. That power is going to come straight to Albuquerque. Uh, the so it's power... out there with you, but it's going to come straight to Albuquerque. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. And uh, what what is what's become real common for people is uh, little, uh, not rooftop solars, but like uh, just yard solar installations. And we're not talking eight kilowatt systems we're you know we're not gonna run a household for real but it's enough to charge batteries keep the tv running uh i don't know run a curling iron you know it's like like that's a thing like you know if you if you don't have access to uh the ability to the girls want to do makeup guys want to i don't know i don't know what people want to do talk on their computer you know right. kids need to yeah, internet that's yeah so like this is like where it, you know where so this is where what like starlink was meant for is to go out into into places like this and provide wherever you are but uh, uh, that's a don't even get me started on yeah you starlink. still have to have electricity to be able to access well and then they're yeah they they're they're still it all comes down to butts in seats so if there's not enough people out there to even warrant putting a satellite out there, then that that will cover that area, then they won't. So it's just it all comes down to dollars, I guess, which is oh. a disgusting thing to say, but it's very true. Uh, You're not familiar with federal spending projects, are you? No. <laughs> That's not how that works. I know. Um, <laughs> I'm the person of, that everyone in my area would have a Starlink. What a bargain! I have one. I want three, actually. And um, the holdup for me is is the initial equipment cost. I just can't justify it for what I want to use it for. Right. You know, like eight hundred bucks. But uh, yeah, started at five. Yeah, that's what we paid. But uh, yeah, it, yeah, I'm with you. And, uh, we we use satellite internet for several reasons. One reason is that I can't get high speed through the dirt. There's a fiber optic line that runs across our driveways, but I can't tie into it. The uh, uh, I like satellites because no one with a backhoe ever cut a satellite connection. <laughs> well, that's a good point. <laughs> that happens all the time. Like yeah. all the time. Our phones will be down for a week because some doofus forgot to call 811 and took out the phone lines on I-40. Uh, it's crazy. A hundred miles away and we don't have phones. So I like the satellites for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good point. What What is your... Um... I'm going to circle it back to um, your store again, to the trade center, Dennis, what is your biggest um, most popular item that moves more than anything else? Is there something? Oh, oh, gosh. Oh, uh, huh. Not biggest as yeah. in size, but you know, no. yeah, I used to think it was something uh, like 
stereotypical, like a monster energy drink. Mm-hmm. And, and there's probably days where that's true, uh, but but it's not. I looked up the historical sales on that, and that's not true. Mm-hmm. It's uh, uh, it's it's probably something like a bag of chips. It's wow. you know, I, I wish I could pin it down specifically. I've yeah. looked and tried to figure it out, and and I can never quite put my thumb on it. You'd think, well, that's easy to identify, but it changes from day to day and week to week. And so, right, and if you have roving, you know, construction workers in there, it's going to throw off your curve anyway. Right, so yeah, true. yeah exactly. And uh, well, like for the last five months, the number one seller was eight pound bags of ice, which is uh, great. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Oh, yeah. And uh, going into winter, our number one seller by volume will be propane gas. Right. That's right. that's an easy sell. When you're selling anything 25 at a time, it gets it's pretty easy to, to you know, rack that number up. Right. Uh, and then coming into spring again, we're right back into Coke and ice. And it's, it's kind of a kind of a shifting thing. Right. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. It's been a fascinating conversation, yes. Dennis. I'm well, going to put your you. website back up here because I want folks to be able to go and see. You've got all the information. I, I got to say, there's a map picture of where you are, and there's like you and the solar farm and literally nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just a big green square. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that's that's where we're at. It's it's interesting. But uh, for anyone who wants to anyone who's thinking about making the trip out, yeah. it's a it's a drive through a part of New Mexico that uh, it, it's it's a diverse drive. It changes quite a bit and it, and it goes it goes past several really interesting geological features. There's a lot of historical features. And then anyone who's never been to Chaco Canyon, uh, I recommend it. This is actually the time of year to go. Uh, and that is just amazing. It, it, it really is. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again. Um, definitely uh, sounds like a, a worthwhile drive to get out there and visit. And certainly if you're going to Chaco Canyon, but um, even if you're not and just want to go out and see the store, it sounds like, and say hi to Dennis. And yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you, Dennis. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Join us again next week.